Mess It Up podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey, everybody, you've got the Mess It Up podcast here. Welcome to the end of May. We are on show 111, which is kind of cool. Three ones in a row. And uh, it's going to be an interesting show today. We've got a guest coming on later, all the way from Ireland, from Dublin, Ireland. I'm super, super excited about that. We'll have that uh, after the break. Um, Right now, though, I just want to remind you about a few things that might be important to you. They're important to me. Uh, And uh, that would be one of them, the word of the week. And the word of the week this week is implausible. And that's... uh, going to be, we're going to say, you know, the implausible is going to look at something that doesn't seem like it's reasonable. That's just completely, um, not probable. It's, it's, uh, maybe a lie or you just in some way, shape or form, you just can't believe it because it's just so implausible. And if you can use that word in a sentence this week, uh, go ahead and give yourself the requisite 10 points that we always give away. As always, keep track of your own bonus points. Uh, the reason I came up with implausible this week is because I did not think I would get my guest. Um, it was a complete lark that I went ahead and tried it. And uh, being the gracious person that he is, uh, he said yes, he would do it. Um, just uh, you know, by by way of of knowing, he gets um, uh, just a factor of I don't know how many more listeners. Uh, weekly than I get, um, but it's stupid. A whole lot more zeros at the end of his numbers than mine. Um, and uh, he was gracious enough to say yes. So uh, my implausible email out to this person to be on my show came through. So I thought that'd be a great word of the week to have. If you want to get involved in the show, um, there's a lot of things you can do to help out. First of all, we've got email. Uh, you can email me at bowtie guy at messituppodcast.com and you can send me your your ideas for shows or if you uh, have a story, uh, a mess that's turned into a message that you'd like to share with the world, we'd love to have that on. We are driven by stories, uh, so we need your stories. So please share that with me. If you've got one or if you know someone who has one, uh, just send me an email at uh, bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com and I'd be happy to uh, contact those people so that we can get them on the show. It's as easy as a Skype or a Zoom call away, so uh, please don't hesitate to do that. Also, um, you can uh, rate and review the show on the different podcasting uh, mechanisms that are out there. If you want to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to this show and give us a rating so that people can know, hey, this show is worth listening to, helps us to get new listeners and that always drives the numbers up and and we just, uh, you know, we want to get out there to as many people as we can. Um, So new listeners being able to find it is a great thing to do. a, a nice review uh, is also a helpful thing. So if you would take the time to do that, that would be awesome. Uh, love to uh, love to know that you've done that and and see that that helps to grow the show and you're doing your part that way. Another thing you could do is follow us on our social media. We put some time and effort into doing it, and it's always more fun when social media has people on it because otherwise it's anti-social media. We don't want social distancing media. Uh, we want social media. This is the one place where we can get close even during a pandemic. Uh, so uh, look for Mess It Up or Messed Up Ministries uh, on the various social media platforms. We are on uh, Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Uh, we hopefully you uh, you followed the uh, the bowtie um, road trip on the messed up uh, ministries uh, the messed up podcast um, 
Instagram account. If you didn't, go back and look at it. It was a lot of fun uh, to do. Uh, we had a lot of fun uh, taking the road trip and seeing things all over the country. Uh, so there's some fun pictures and funny videos, hopefully. You can also go to my author website, which is paulpippin.com, and get a little bit more in-depth on that road trip. Uh, I put uh, on several days, I, I wrote a little bit more of my thoughts and described some of the stories that I couldn't get to uh, on Instagram. So check those things out. Um, we're on, believe it or not, we're on MySpace. Uh, we also have a subreddit account, which is Messed Up Ministries on uh, Reddit. So look for all those things and um, join in the fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun when you participate. So please, uh, please take a gander at those things and make me feel like I spent a good time doing that. Um, you can also, if you want to read more about me, uh, I have a book out right now called Still in Beta. Uh, it's found on Apple Books. You can also get it on your Kindle uh, through the Kindle store, and you can order a paperback copy of it if you so uh, desire, also on Amazon. So look for Still in Beta by Paul Pippin, and um, let me know what you think when you go there. Uh, if you would leave a review and a uh, rating on the book, that also helps to push it uh, towards people's um, eyes as well. Uh, we're, we're trying to get this story out to as many people as possible. So we've made it uh, inexpensive. And uh, I just want people to know about the book and know the story. And a final way that you can do the, uh, the support of the show is financially. Um, you can uh, send your financial support to us to uh, encourage us, keep us going, and make it possible to do the show. Uh, and you can do that through a, a platform called Patreon. And that's available um, either at patreon.com and you can search for uh, Mess It Up Podcast or you can go to messituppodcast.com and click on the Become a Patron button and it'll take you to our Patreon site. For as little as $1 a month, you can financially support the show, which really, it sounds like not a lot, but it really makes a huge difference and we get a... Uh, a big kick out of it when people do sponsor us, even at that dollar a month uh, level. We've got gifts that we give uh, at the various levels, and, and that's described on the Patreon account. But anybody who subscribes on Patreon gets a free copy of the book. Uh, so go uh, subscribe to Patreon. You can cancel your subscription at any time. And if you choose not to, the show is always free. So uh, keep listening. Keep sharing with your friends. It's uh, it's really my pleasure to do this show, and I hope you keep it going for me for uh, for quite some time. So <clears throat> today, I'm sitting at my friend's house uh, in Portland. We're at the very end of the Bowtie Road Trip. Well, not the very end, but we've, we've at least got to the, uh, our home time zone, and um, it's, it's been just an amazing, amazing thing. But I see everywhere we go, there's always opportunities to bless people or to be blessed. And yesterday was Memorial Day as I'm recording this. And uh, my friend Faith, who you will hear on the show, you've heard her on the show, but you'll hear in the future, made a beautiful, beautiful uh, dinner for everybody. Today we're going to be selling a, celebrating a birthday. Um, and I'm going to be going out and helping it with a program called Gleaners. And um, uh, I don't know a whole lot about Gleaners at this point, but I'm excited to go and help uh, distribute some food and see how that works. But we'll uh, hopefully be able to do a show about Gleaners uh, in the near future after I've had my experience and can uh, bring back some some discussion points and uh, a little bit more information. So that'll be something to look forward to in the future. 
Um, but I've got my interview uh, coming up uh, pretty soon uh, with um, another podcaster, so I don't want to take too much time because it was a little bit of a longer interview. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to throw it to one of the songs that I just love that's on the radio right now uh, for our, our song of the week. And this is a song by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton, and it is called There Was Jesus. So give this a listen. I'll be back on the other side to talk about that and to introduce my guests, and uh, we'll see you in about 90 seconds. story in a song, right? I mean, golly, you don't have to read very many of the lyrics to, to hear me in that. Every time I tried to make it on my own, every time I tried to stand and start to fall, all those lonely roads that I've traveled on, there was Jesus. And, and then this, I mean, you look at this, when the life I built came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found. Oh my gosh. I mean, he didn't consult with me when, uh, when he wrote this song. Uh, but it is without a doubt, um, very, very spot on for my life. And I just love the, the blend of the vocals there. Um, you know, Dolly can sing with anybody in my opinion. And, um, I would vote for yes, that she should just go out there and do duets with everybody would love to hear a duets album from Dolly. And everything that I hear about her just speaks to what a wonderful, amazing human she is. Now, uh, I just got distracted because a deer just walked past um, the house where I'm uh, podcasting. And they're just sitting there um, hanging out. So I'm going to take a little picture here with the deer, munching on some stuff. Uh, I'll put that on the thing, but uh, that was really interesting. We live in the, the suburbs of Portland out here, and two deer just walked through the yard. So that's a lot of fun. <clears throat> Anyhow, uh, what I want to do is I want to get back to... Um, an interview that I did a few weeks back. Uh, this is a guy named Andrew Mangan. He hosts a podcast 
uh, called the Ars Blog, um, and you're going to be wondering, what does this have to do with um, the Mess It Up podcast? Well, uh, this is my favorite podcast. I listen to this podcast all the time, and just a warning, yeah, that sometimes their language is a little bit salty. Uh, I don't listen to it in the car with the kids uh, because they do have a tendency of doing a little bit of pub talk, but it is um, a discussion, um, or the, the podcast is all about British football, uh, the Premier League, which is, uh, to us Americans, is soccer. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the Arsenal Football Club. Uh, that's the team that I support. And so uh, about <clears throat> a year and a half, two years ago, uh, my grandson and I decided we would get behind a Premier League football team uh, because Gabriel was beginning to play soccer. And we thought, well, we need to support a team in England because that's uh, widely held as one of the better, if not the best, league on the planet. So uh, we decided on Arsenal for a variety of reasons. And as we came in, uh, Arsenal was uh, doing well, but uh, sliding into a worse and worse position. Uh, so we were watching the games and I started immersing myself in the culture. And I found this podcast uh, amongst a, a myriad of Arsenal podcasts. And I just became enchanted with uh, Andrew and James, who joins on the, uh, what they call the Arscast Ars Extra at once a week and the uh, the rapport that they had. And they made me just fall in love with a team that was doing miserably. It's right now, uh, even though the season has been uh, halted for a while, uh, they're in the midst of their worst uh, stretch of, of football uh, in about 100 years or more, I think. Um, but uh, they made me fall in love with the club just because of their passion that they brought through. And now they're still doing a podcast when there's been no football. And I thought, well, that's a mess. And how are they taking the mess of the pandemic and no football and turning it into a message for the millions of people who listen to them? And I said millions of people. I get literally uh, hundreds of people. I uh, have not cracked that thousand mark yet, uh, but we're still hoping. And so I sent a little flyer out to this guy and I asked him if he would um, be willing to be on my, my little tiny show from America. And he immediately said, that sounds like fun. And I was just uh, baffled by this implausible probability that happened. And uh, so uh, I was, uh, you might hear I'm a little bit um, awestruck and, and, and starry-eyed in this uh, because uh, I do really like uh, what he does so much. I encourage you to go out there and listen to the ArsCast uh, podcast and go to arsblog.com uh, to learn more about Arsenal football uh, and uh, get enchanted with these guys. I do warn you that they do have some language um, and uh, so uh, I hope you enjoy this interview uh, that I did with Andrew and we'll be back uh, next week uh, to uh, mess it up once again. So uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Andrew Mangan from Arsblog. All right. So um, we're welcoming to the show today uh, a guy all the way from... Uh Ireland. Um, this is you are, are definitely our, our farthest away guest we've ever had. So uh, this is super impressive to me to have uh, a guy that I listen to, and a lot of listeners might not know it because this guy deals in football, but not like you might think. Uh, so uh, tell us who you are. My name is Andrew, and uh, I run a website called Ars Blog, which is a blog about Arsenal Football Club, which I know that some people will find disappointing when you say the name Ars Blog. They have uh, much saucier thoughts in their mind, but it is about a football team in the Premier League called Arsenal, and uh, that's it. That's that's me, and that's and what that I do. It was just a happy accident. I mean, you didn't plan that out to be clever or anything, right? 
Well, I just was, I knew I was starting a blog and I knew the blog was about Arsenal. So I thought, well, what else would you call a blog about Arsenal other yeah. than Ars blog? Yeah. So, yeah. And how long have you been doing that blog? It began in February 2002. So we're well into our 18th year now. Which is a long time for blogs. I mean, you were yeah. a little bit bleeding edge there on that. Yeah, I, I, I imagine mean, you had to so. explain to a lot of people what's a blog. Yes, exactly. That was that was the initial challenge. Was like what's a blog, and and even with something like this, until not too long ago, we were having to explain what's a podcast. What's yeah. a podcast? <laughs> and and no, initially it was like what's a blog. I mean, people knew what a website was, but they were like a blog. Yeah, what does that mean? You're, you're you know, speaking so. a foreign language or something. Yeah, uh, it, exactly. it it doesn't compute. No, um, I mean. Yes, if it's a word you've never heard before, then, you know, someone needs to explain it to you. But it hadn't sort of entered the public consciousness in the way that every everybody understands it now. Then how did you come up with it? I mean, what? how did you come up with the idea? How did you become aware of the fact that there's this thing called a uh, blog that you can do? I think. I think I'd been reading some because I, I was living in Spain at the time and I just got in uh, – fast internet at the time uh, adsl was just being introduced into that part of spain and rather than the the sort of slow dial-up internet connection that we all grew up with in the in the 90s and you know somebody picking up the telephone and knocking off the internet that kind of stuff this was like an always-on connection and it was super fast and i think it was 512k it was like less than a megabyte you know so it, it was not the fastest internet that uh, you've ever seen but back then it felt like lightning and uh, i was looking for uh, you know something to do to sort of learn web design and to to start a website and I, I figured well look if i write about football if i do a website about football there's always something going on you know a match or a a transfer or, or injuries or news there's always something going on re regarding uh, a football club Arsenal, the club I supported since I was a kid, seemed like, you know, the right way to go. And, and that was it. So I just sort of registered the domain name and and got going. Wow. And uh, you say you were uh, looking to uh, work on web design. Is mm. that something you were going to do professionally? Um, and so this was like a training or was it all yeah. just hobbyist? It was kind of it was kind of something I was half doing professionally and in, in that I had a little web hosting company and, and you know, I thought doing some design would be, you know, a good way to augment my skills. But, you know, I, I, I'm okay from a technical point of view and I'm okay from a design point of view, but I'm not sure I would pay a great deal of money for the stuff that I could produce. And I couldn't in good conscience charge other people that, you know, so it, it was a way for me to practice and to add new things and right. add bells and whistles to a website. But, but, you know, quickly I, I realized that I was much more interested in the writing and much better at the writing than I was at the design. Had you been uh, a writer before? Because your, your prose is, is my, my wife commented, she is not a sports fan. Um, and so doesn't listen to the podcast and does she's not familiar with her stuff. But one day I was <clears> reading something to her from the blog a few weeks back and she's like, wow, that guy's really good. And I was like, well, yeah, he's very entertaining. And uh, has that always been a thing for you with the writing? Um, yeah, I mean, I always wrote when I was a kid. I wrote when I was a teenager and wrote short stories, which I'm sure if I saw them now, I'd just cringe at how like terrible they were. But it was something I was always interested in. I was a, a big reader. I always read books. Uh, 
and I, I did journalism uh, in college. So I did have a bit of a grounding, a, a bit of a background in in putting words together in the right order. But I'd never done it for any prolonged period or or I'd never sort of considered the idea of of being a writer. My my focus when I was uh, in college doing broadcasting and journalism was to to be a radio presenter, to be a DJ, which was something I've been doing since I was 16 years of age uh, on pirate radio here in Ireland. And, and that was my thing. That was what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be I wanted to be like Rick Dees. I wanted to be Casey Kasem to, to give it a bit of American flavor. That's wow. what I wanted to do. So uh, I, I did that for a while, but it, you know, it, it didn't quite work out and I never really considered being a, a writer. Um, so it was a bit of a happy accident that I fell into it. Um, but what I'm, I'm quite pleased about, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I have, a uh, you mentioned Casey Kasem there. I have a brush with greatness with Casey Kasem. I sat across the street from him at, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Rose Parade in Ireland that they do on New Year's day in California. No, uh, so it's it's like a big massive thing. Uh, it's on all the TVs and whatnot. So I sat across the 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 road from uh, Casey Kasem and his wife back in '89 uh, at the Rose wow. Parade. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, we used to get we used to get the um, the Casey Kasem top American top forty. Yeah. We would we would get that on the radio here. But the thing was, and I know this because I have one of them somewhere. What they would do is they would send, they would, like Casey Kasem would do his, let's say it's it's the 1st of April. Casey Kasem does his American Top 40 show on whatever radio station it was he worked for, and I'm sure it was syndicated right away across the United States. What they did then was, uh, because this was the 80s, they pressed those shows to vinyl. So they made vinyl records out of the Casey Kasem Top 40, and they would send those out to syndicate, uh, to radio stations uh, around the world. So we would, let, let's say, at the end of April or the start of May, we would get the Top 40 from like four or five weeks previously. Oh, wow. That was like this sort of, it was cool, and it was music we didn't really hear a great deal of uh, in general on the radio stations over here. So... Uh, so it was a big thing, actually. Casey Kasem and then Rick D's top 40 as well. Yeah, were... I, I, I was a Casey Kasem guy. Uh, my father only would tolerate classical music or right. um, very traditional country music. Uh, Johnny Horton, Johnny Cash, um, those type of things. And so he didn't he didn't ban other music in the house. It was just he ruled with an iron fist so you didn't question it. So I would right. sneak out to the car to go listen to the radio just for brief moments to just catch little pieces. And I can yeah, remember yeah. sitting in the car after church when they'd be having their coffee. I'd run out to the car and I could listen to the top 20. And I could usually get like songs 17 to 13. I always knew that that <laughs> band of, of what was going on in the top uh, 40 and but because of that I became a huge music wonk and through high school and college never drank never did drugs because I put all my money into uh, vinyl and so I have a nice. massive collection of vinyl in my house uh, and then uh, switched over to um, to CDs but I could never do Rick D's it was always right. I was a Casey Case and purist Rick D's was maybe a little more zany wasn't he he, he was, was uh, he didn't mm. seem to take it as seriously as Casey did and when he would yeah. you know send out those special requests from you know the soldier in Afghanistan to his lovely wife in Maine you know it just didn't feel yeah. as heartfelt from sure, Rick, sure you know yeah Casey Kasem the got got that kind of voice I think he, he was just a bit more avuncular you know you uh it was like a a, a trusted uncle 
Yes, yes. So you've been doing the blog now for all this time. Podcast, when did the podcast come in? 2006 is when wow. I did the very first one. So Jumped off pretty fast with that as well. Yes. I, I, yes. Was, I was doing uh, web design in 2005 to 2008 and doing, you know, I was just ma basically listening only to uh, technology podcasts, a lot of stuff with... Um, the uh, and I'm a big Mac guy, so just all the Apple guys with uh, Lou yes, Laporte I... and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I, my other big celebrity meet that I froze up a little bit was uh, bumping into Leo Laporte at MacWorld uh, back okay. in '07, um, and um, uh, I was like, uh, so I had my camera because I was a, a, a freelance video guy. And I, right. he, he was uh, nice enough to do a little video spot for me. But this was this was the Macworld where they announced iPhone. So I had a little Palm Trio, and it didn't exactly do a whole lot of great video. So luckily I had my camera, and I had him film something. And he filmed a snarky remark for one of my friends uh, that was also a big <laughs> fan, saying, you know, too bad you didn't come to Macworld because you could have met me or something along those lines. But, uh, that, yeah, that's where I was doing it. Um, but it never... Never really got into the audio side because I'm more of a video guy. And so I tried to yeah. do some uh, YouTube channel stuff and, and some shows that away. But um, I've been doing this podcast now for two years and I absolutely am now just like a junkie. I just want to do podcasts and blogs. And everyone's like, oh, you've got another blog? Oh, cool. Great. I can't wait to <laughs> not read that, that one. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, you know, people are comfortable where they're comfortable. And I've, I've never really been that comfortable in front of a camera. And I get asked to do a lot of TV stuff, you know, with the, the, the website and talk about Arsenal. And I always kind of fob them off. I give them to, you know, one of the other guys on the website and say, look, they'd be better at doing that than I would. Um, you know, you've got to do a bit more video now, but you know, just put me behind a microphone and I'm absolutely comfortable. You know, my own little studio in my office, I've got all my gear. I've, you know, a, a range of microphones that I can use. I'm a, a complete microphone junkie. Um, or anorak might be a better way of putting it. I, I just love <laughs> microphones. So, you know, for me, podcasting, um, because I, I'd done radio and love radio for so long and I hadn't done it, the idea that you could just make your own radio show, uh, without anybody telling you what you could say or what you could do just seemed like it was like sort of being, um, I don't know. I guess it's like when they let a killer whale free from SeaWorld, he just goes back out into the, into the sea and it's like, this is great. I can, you know, I don't have to jump through a hoop for anybody. I can just swim and do killer whale stuff. And it was a bit like that, but you know, without the sort of fins and teeth. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Doing this now, at what point did it, did you realize this can be my thing? I can quit, you know, looking for a job job and I can do this. It never really, it was never sort of a, a moment where it, it happened like that. You know, it was, it was, the website didn't make any money for years and years and years. And then it would start to make a little bit of money and then a little bit more money. And, uh, then, uh, it was sold to an American company back in 2008. And then it became my full-time job because they paid me very well to do it. Um, unfortunately, it didn't last as long as it, you know, I would have liked. And uh, it, it left me in a, a weird financial situation because they went broke and didn't pay me and things like that. So I sort of had to start again from scratch. So there was never one moment where I went, okay, now I can quit everything else 
the website was always just part of it and it still remains part of it. I do other work. I do voiceover work and, and podcast production for other people and, and what have you. Um, so I never really had to make that choice. I never sort of turned around. So today is the day I give up the job in the, you know, in the office or the grocery store or whatever it is, the, the nine to five, if you like. Yeah. Uh, so I've been quite fortunate in that regard. It's just something that's built and developed over time. And I've been able, thankfully, to kind of go with the flow a little bit. So, um, you know, from that point of view, I think I've been quite fortunate, you know? Yeah. And so with all this pandemic thing, I mean, obviously your your bread and butter is Premier League mm-hmm. football. And yeah. that is apparently not happening uh, for the past few weeks and for the next couple of weeks. Um, and so what do you do when you write? I mean, I write a weekly blog. You write a daily blog. And you don't just – I mean, my, my, my blog is I try to make it short enough that a person can read it on their iPhone without having to scroll twice. Uh, initially, well, it was without having to scroll at all. So I just write a blurb once a week. You write a column every day, yeah. and now there's no news. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, was there a point – did you did you think at all, all right, I'm just going to kind of back off a little bit? Or were you – you've been doing it daily for so long now you have to do it, or you're just used to doing it, or – Yes, sort of all of the above. Like my morning routine for, you know, in the early days, it was a little bit more – uh, uh, what's the word, word I'm going to use? Free and easy. You know, I'd post whenever I felt like it, but but pretty soon it became something that I wrote first thing every morning. And it's been part of my routine for such a long time that as the world has gone into this weird crisis situation, I kind of feel like without football, without the thing that my my life and my working life revolves around, I need as much structure as as possible. So part of that is continuing my routine. So I get up in the morning, I say good morning to the dogs, I give them a hug, I make a cup of coffee, I come upstairs, I sit down at my computer and I write, you know, a thousand words, 1200 words every morning, every single morning. And I just don't know how to begin my day without doing that. Now, is it more difficult at the moment because there's no football? Absolutely. Does it require more thought? Yes. Is it challenging? Yes. Um, but so far, so good. I've, I've managed to, to, to keep it going. And I also kind of feel, um, I feel a measure of responsibility to the people who read the blog right. every day. Have you that- been monitoring the metrics to see if the, I mean, oh. is there a change on it? Because I have honestly found it more entertaining without the football because I'm, <laughs> I I love the personal aspect of hearing the stories about the old radio days and whatnot. And so sure. um, I have my routine that I go through and um, Ars Blog has moved up in the routine because I'm anxious to read that. I look to see what mm. horrible thing happened in the newspaper and then I go right to Ars Blog instead of playing games and then go into Ars Blog. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I think in general across the website on, on Ars Blog and we have a, an Arsenal news site called Ars Blog News, you know, we can see that the amount of people visiting the site is is far lower than it would be normally because football is a massive driver of traffic to the website because we do 
pretty much everything around the matches, you know, a preview of the match, a review of the match, uh, match reports, stats, player ratings, um, you know, all the reaction from the players and the managers and, and the various bits and pieces. So that is kind of like this, this rolling stone of, uh, of of an audience that just sort of keeps going and it slows down a little bit. Then you get another game and it, it picks up again. So you're sort of cresting this wave of of traffic and, and people coming to visit your site because they want to read about the football. That's now completely gone, completely. And I yeah. would say our traffic is, you know, 20% of what it was this okay. time last year. Maybe. I, I don't I don't know because I... I figure if I look too deeply at the metrics, it might be profoundly depressing. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't necessarily want to do that. And I don't want to, I don't want to be demotivated either by, by the, the, the drop in audience. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, look, you know, I can write and I can write entertaining stuff about, you know, my, my old days in the radio or, or, or st stupid things that happened to me in my life, or I can write about the dogs or I can write about the bits and pieces that are going on around football because they're discussing how it gets brought back and all the various nuts and bolts of that, the implications of that. But at the end of the day, most people who visit the website are there because they, they, they love Arsenal and they love football and that's what they want to read about. So there's a certain amount of people who are happy like you and thank you very much to come along and read whatever it is I write, whether it's about football or, or whether it's not. But, you know, at the heart of it, the core of this website is football. Yeah. And without football, it's missing something fundamental. And, and that, of course, is contributing to the to the lack of audience. Right, right. And obviously, you've built a community that, you know, is going to stick together and be a community, you know, regardless uh, yeah. for a certain amount of time. It, ultimately, it is a community built around the football. Mm. Uh, that's the commonality. Um, so if you remove that, people will tend to drift. But um, but you've made a mess out or a message out of the mess here of the whole COVID thing. And um, that's the thing that I think is just so impressive that if you didn't know uh, anything, you, you guys, you, you carry on and you, you've provided interesting uh, outlooks and getting people's um, take on things. I, I love the, the bit that you did a couple weeks ago with the, uh, uh, the fella in New York that was the documentary um, uh, uh, writer uh, or uh, filmer. Um, God, I can't even remember what that was. But it was, I, I uh, go it was a fella a I wasn't I wasn't familiar with him. I went and looked up his stuff afterwards. But he um, he did documentaries um, and you interviewed him. He was living in upstate New York, but he was a British fella because he had. Uh, oh, John Johnson. Yes, of course, yes. John. Yeah, he yeah. wrote. So he's a great writer, and he's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, lots of people will know John's work uh, from his uh, filmmaking and also the the books that he's written. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. But you know, what is it that? Why did you decide not to just push pause? Because some people have pushed pause, and obviously, there's a little bit of you know, this is your business, so you can't do that. But mm. why didn't you back off and not write every day? What? Why are you making this message out of this mess? Um. Well, I mean, like you say, there's a business aspect to it and, and obviously uh, revenue that we can generate via the website and the podcast is important because um, one of the things I've done is is in, make a commitment to to pay all of our writers and all of our contributors in full um, throughout this, despite the fact that there is no football um, for them to write about. So that's, you know, an, an important part of it for me. 
Um, the other thing I think is that because, because I work from home, because I do most of my work and certainly 99% of the work that I do for the website, the podcast is done from this room, from this office. Mm -hmm. I haven't really been hugely impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. You know, we all have our, um, things going on you know i've got a dad who's 83 and he's had his ups and downs during this time so we got to go up and down and care for him but in terms of my working life it's not like uh you know i used to go out to work on a monday morning and do nine to five nine to five nine to five and i come home and you know the wife and kids are there and what you know we're not all stuck in the same house you know my my routine hasn't changed so I feel like for the people whose routine has changed, having things that provide structure or, or that were there beforehand are important, if you like. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't mean to say it's like a sort of civic duty or civic responsibility. You know, I just feel like I'm in a fairly privileged position in terms of what I do for a living and how I can do it that I can't sort of just throw my hands up and say, well, this is more difficult now, or this is slightly inconvenient for me. That doesn't wash. It does, you know, on a personal level, it doesn't wash. And if you tried that, you know, I'm sure people will think, well, that guy, what an asshole, you know, how's he, you know, what's, what's the big deal with him? I'm, I'm at home and my wife is at home now and our four kids are at home and three dogs are at home. And, you know, the kids aren't going back to school until <laughs> September and it's mayhem in the house every single day of the week. Those people, I feel like, holy crap, those guys, you know, those parents who've got to deal with all that have got really something to work on. And I, I don't have that. And like I said to you earlier, the other part of it is I don't know what else to do. Right. I, I need to do it for myself because it provides me with some structure in my life. It provides me with the the thing that I, I really enjoy doing. I, I love writing every single morning. So it didn't make any sense to me to, to, to take it away. So you know, there's a business element, there's a responsibility element, there's a there's a sanity element. <laughs> um, and just at the heart of it is like, look, if I can write something every day, and even if uh, fewer people are reading it, if it gives them five minutes of, of, of entertainment in the morning, then it's doing its job. You know, I have this, uh, this concept in my, um, uh, in my life called that idiot. And the principle is, I looked at a guy when I first uh, started putting my life back together after I threw it in the dumpster. Uh, and I thought, all right, the guy that was giving me advice was this burnout meth head, former Marine, uh, missing a tooth, but he had gotten his life back together and was like really like on top of things. I was like, if that idiot can do it, well, I can do it. And so I always want to be that idiot for someone. And I figure if I'm not writing and I'm, I try to stay away from the metrics too because they're depressing and I'm nowhere near your scale. I mean, we're talking to literally a couple hundred people here instead of, mm. you know, millions or whatever. But I know that if one person gets touched by what we say, if one person is able to look and say, okay, they've gave me, given me some hope, then, then it's all worth it. So, you know, when I look at the blog and there's times where I look at the blog and it's like, Okay, one person read it. That must have been my wife. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> but I go back and write it again. And we came out to Tennessee from California to take care of my mother-in-law who passed away at the end of uh, March. 
and I brought my computer and a little microphone so that way I could continue doing what I was doing because that that I feel that need and like you said not a civic duty but but a personal commitment that is like all right if I'm somebody's lifeline if I'm the last rope I want to be there for them I don't want to just let down because it's a little inconvenient for me it's it's you know, I'm down here in the basement because grandpa's 93 years old and upstairs and doesn't hear well, so he talks loud. So I just came down to the basement to find some quiet place. It was close enough to the Wi-Fi that sucks and, and make it work. And, you know, you just you make things work because that's what you do. And uh, and I think that's a really important thing that you do. And, and like I said, you know, you caused me to become a big enough Arsenal fan that I put a big Arsenal badge on my front lawn uh, when uh you know at christmas time and i i you know spray painted a three-foot badge and on on <laughs> astroturf and it's now it, it you know emblazons my front yard and that was during one of the worst periods of time that this team has had apparently but <laughs> i still found it compelling because you guys gave me a reason to find it compelling and and you were my lifeline to make me think all right I mean, it would have been easy to jump over to Liverpool at that point and just say, well, they're the Beatles team. Let's go with them. But, you know, we stuck with it because I could see your passion. I could feel your passion. Well, I feel like I should apologize to you now if I've if I've set you on a, a life of uh, disappointment and uh, everything else that comes with being an Arsenal fan. Look, you know, that's the thing about football. Uh there are ups and there are downs, and and over the last little while, we've we've been down um, in a place that you know is unfamiliar for quite a lot of of Arsenal fans, whether they're whether they're of an age where they just don't remember mm-hmm. something like this happening to the club before, not being as good as as they want them to be, or whether they've come to the club at you know uh, a period in their life, um, you know, particularly fans from uh, around the world who might become an Arsenal fan. Uh, you know, uh, grow up and and decide. Look, I'm going to follow a Premier League team, and they they choose Arsenal, which is great. I always think it's great, but you you don't always have a lot of context for for what's happening and what's going on. So if we've provided some of that, then that that's good. And you know, to to have witnessed some of the 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 football that we did and some of the problems that we've had in the last number of years. Um, and to still be, you know, uh, on board, fair play. That's all I- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at the time that I've been an Arsenal fan, I found out I found out that the movie Fever Pitch was about Arsenal. I always just thought it was a movie with uh, Jimmy Fallon and uh, Drew Barrymore about the Boston Red Sox. And now no. I've been madly trying to find this original version, which is nowhere to be found in America on streaming. Well, have you read the book? I have not. Well, I, I, I've never seen the film of Fever Pitch because it comes from a book called Fever Pitch by a guy called Nick Hornby. And I cannot recommend it highly enough to you if you really do. I know you've sort of immersed yourself in Arsenal content and everything else. But if you want to have a, a real feeling for what this club can do to you as a fan, mm-hmm. get that book. Yeah. Get that. It is absolutely. It's a brilliant piece of writing, and as an Arsenal fan, you will connect with it. And um, afterwards, I would say, you know, at some point, find the film afterwards. Um, but the book is is, I think, essential reading for for any Arsenal fan, old or new. Whether you've been a fan for forty years and you haven't read it, you've got to get out and read it. Um, so yeah, check it check at your local independent bookstore. They should be able to order yes. for you. I will do that. And we actually, in the small town where I live, I live in 
the town of Ridgecrest, where if you remember last summer, there was a big 7.2 earthquake uh, in California. Yes, I remember the earthquake, all right. That's the town where I've lived my entire life. It's a wow. very small. We've got like 20,000 people out in the middle of the desert. There's a, a Navy base, and we do um, scientific research uh, there. So we uh -oh. invented the, uh, the, the Sidewinder missile, which was the first heat-seeking missile. And we invented glow sticks where you snap them and shake them and they glow. Well, you know, both two things, two things of, uh, you know, of fairly opposite destructive qualities. Yes, yes. And apparently urinal cakes were developed out there for some reason, too. So we've got some claims to fame. But but being out there, we have actually a very nice uh, independent bookstore, um, which cool. is uh, a fantastic thing. So, yes, I will go down to Red Rock Books and... Uh, and yeah. have them get fever pitch for me. So exactly, they pay their taxes and they pay their employees properly, and you know they don't work them till they fall over and stuff <laughs> like that. So not not casting any aspersions at any gigantic companies or anything. So. Yeah, or rivers, or rivers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, thank you so much for doing this for us. This was uh, this has been a huge, huge pleasure for me. Uh, I really tried to get to the uh, the the meetup one that you had in. Um, LA uh, for yeah. the uh, Arsenal tour. I took my grandson. We went to a, our one and only Arsenal game that we've been to, and we actually got to see them beat uh, a major team uh, mm -hmm. under Unai Emery, which yeah. we're just um, – I went, I said, I know my team is going to lose, but I've just got to go and see him because it's way easier anyway. to see him in LA than it is to drive to you know London. So, of course. <laughs> so it was fantastic. What was your impression of um, the fans in America – vis-a-vis -vis the fans in Europe to a game of that nature? Um, well, I think you have to put the game in context. It was a, a preseason game, a f you know, a so-called friendly game. Of course, no yeah. professional player wants to lose. I've been out to the States a few times, um, you know, and I've met Arsenal fans from, from all over the U.S., and, I, you know, I think the enthusiasm for the club is is amazing. Um, I think this is... There's, I'm not going to say we're more cynical or world weary over here, but I think there's a sort of um, there's a lack of cynicism. There's a real sort of desire to to get behind the team and to 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 be supporters, if you like. And I'm not saying that fans in Europe aren't supporters. I just mean that, uh, and I mean this in the most respectful way I can say that because Arsenal is is quite new uh, to a lot of American fans, and because they don't get a chance to many, most of them, I guess, don't get a chance to come to London to go to the Emirates to see a game. When they're at a game, they're up for it. They're really just yeah. enjoying the experience and, and trying to make it as, as good an atmosphere as they can. And, you know, I was on the tour last year in America. I was in L.A. I was in Charlotte. I was in Washington, D.C. And, you know, everywhere I went, the Arsenal fans were, were amazing and great voice and you know, they, they just were there to, to support the team. People had come from from all over. You know, I know you went from Ridgecrest down to, to Los Angeles, but we were in Charlotte and there were people that had come from Ohio and Michigan and, yeah. and from, from Florida and Savannah, like from all over Texas. And they were just, you know, people had driven for nine hours or 12 hours just to, to watch a game of football for a team that they they support who, who exist on the far side of the Atlantic. So I love it. I love it every time I'm yeah. out there. And, I, uh, you know, the fans are, are absolutely great. 
Well, if you get a chance to come back to LA, um, I've always been a, a Galaxy fan in the MLS, but we just got uh, uh, LAFC, which uh, Will mm. Ferrell and Mia Fan uh, Ham are, are part owners and whatnot. I went to a preseason game this year with them and um, a, a team out of uh, Uruguay. And so we're talking a preseason game, 20,000 people sold out stadium, and we didn't ever get to sit down because they were up and jumping. It was absolutely <laughs> berserk. I was like, I've been a lifelong Galaxy fan, but I might have to change my allegiance because this is fun. Galaxy fans are more like folding their arms and just sitting back and, you know, entertain me with something. And yeah. it was it was great. So if you come back, I, I highly recommend uh, doing sure. that. But We um, have a, a former Arsenal player actually playing for uh, LAFC, Carlos Vela. Oh, uh, yes. So, yeah, he's a former former Arsenal player, played a few seasons for us. It didn't really work out. He was at a very young stage in his career. But he's doing uh, he's doing great stuff out in MLS. So yeah, yeah, and I am excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for uh, keeping up with uh, what you're doing, and uh, uh, I guess up the arsenal, up the arsenal. Thank you very much, and good luck with the the podcast and the you know the weekly uh, weekly blog. Don't work too hard on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I try not to. I'm actually going to start one. We're going to be driving to California in a about a week here and I'm going to do a travel blog going across the country in the pandemic in a car. Uh, okay. and I'm just going to try to find the weirdest <laughs> I can find, like, you know, the world's biggest ball of string or some nonsense like that. And just take video and do that kind of stuff. No uh, better so. country for that. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much for the time. And, um, I really appreciate it. I had to ask, why did you agree to do an hour of time with, a person who has like literally, I get about two hundred people. Um, so why did you say yes? Because you're not small potatoes. I was like completely freaked out when you agreed to do it. Um, I, I did it because uh, a lot of people. I ask people all the time to do my podcast, and I kind of feel like when somebody asks me if I would do their podcast, I can't be the guy who just says no. So generally speaking, I will do people's podcasts, whether it's a big podcast or a small podcast. I'm I'm not very good at saying no. Um, and I feel like, you know, I've been doing it for so long and people have been very generous with their time, you know, to me as guests. Um, I guess it's just sort of paying it, paying it forward a little bit. So, you know, in, in 10 years time, when you've got one of the biggest podcasts in the US and some some little kid uh, emails you and says, you know, please, sir, will you be on my podcast? You'll say yes. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I've so, always so, been that. I mean, part of the reason we chose Arsenal is because they weren't great. Um, I, I'm a huge L.A. Kings hockey fan. So for 47 years, we floundered. We didn't. We made the finals one time in 47 years, and we finally won a championship a couple of years back. And I was like, you know, but I've always supported the loser. I've, mm. In basketball, I'm a Clippers fan instead of a Lakers fan. Uh, right. And so it's just, you know, I always go for that. So I'm used to waiting a long period of time because when, when you get the victory, it's sweet. But, uh, you know, helping the underdog, I, I really appreciate it. And um, thank you for, for giving the opportunity to uh, do this. And uh, if if you mention the Mess It Up podcast on your blog or podcast, I won't be, you know, thinking what a jerk that guy is. <laughs> sure. I know. I know. Well, look, it was good to talk to you, and thank you very much. All right. Uh, take care. Appreciate the conversation. Cheers. All right. Take care.
Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Hello. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. This uh, is, uh, uh, I was just listening to the, uh, the May 4th, uh, podcast and you guys were talking about being nervous talking to people and that's the way it is for me right now i don't normally get nervous talking to people because i do this all the time but right. um you uh you you make me a little bit nervous thinking about talking to you so congratulations okay. well, the camera on just to make make sure it's a <laughs> friendly face and uh, absolutely no pressure whatsoever just know that i'm going to be judging you throughout